Hey guys, welcome to Huda Talk. Braden Jay here at Bengals N- underscore NFL on Instagram at Bengals handle on Twitter. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about some Bengals, talk about some NFL. We're going to answer some questions and let's get to it. What do you think about the Bengals game, Braden? Uh, honestly, losing sucks and all, but I did not think this was really a bad loss. I think this might have been our best loss of the year. The Chargers, I with their talent, our talent, they were a lot more talented than us, especially when you have guys like Gavari Russell and Darius Phillips going against those tall William receivers. And I think the defense played really, really well. I think one healthy, we have a better roster than them on paper. It's just all about the coaching. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, William Jackson and Casey Hayward, kind of equal. Jesse Bates and Derwin James have been playing pretty much equally this year. Uh, I mean, all around, I mean, we we all kind of have the same issues. Uh, They have a pretty poor run defense. We have a pretty poor run defense. They have poor linebackers. We have poor linebackers. The only thing they really have the edge on us is edge rushers, and that's just because they have Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, two elite guys, and we have kind of one. But Gino also kind of makes up for that. So I think defensively we were were pretty much equal on paper. And, I mean, today that kind of showed. Offensively is where they're going to get the edge on us. I mean, they obviously have Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, (coughs) Keenan Allen, uh, I mean, like you said, the two Williams brothers. So that's where the the uh, drop off kind of occurs. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I definitely our best loss of the season. I didn't think we played bad at all, and the coaching definitely improved this game. Yeah, I think the defensive coordinator side of Marvin did really well. He was adjusting the defense, which was really nice to see, considering this that really hasn't happened. He kind of did it against the Ravens. Then I feel like adjusted to let the Ravens run on us. I know he re- technically didn't, but just felt that way as the game went on. But yeah, he adjusted. Uh, Eckler, he had a couple good ones, but mostly was shut down. And William Jackson, for the most part, they let him cover Allen. There were times where they were playing in zone in the second half, and Allen took advantage of that. But for the most part, they are in man coverage, which I loved. Uh, Denard played really well. He's pr- He's anytime Denard plays well at this point, he's making himself money. And yeah, and, yeah. Denard had he had an up and down game. He made a few mistakes. I believe one of the touchdowns was when he was in coverage. Um, yeah, I think the first touchdown everybody saw Denard was closest to the ball, but it was it was cover three, I believe. Denard was supposed to be in the flat as the slot corner. I have to rewatch it, but I know that was not his zone. It was Darius. Uh, one of the William guys. Re- ran like a crossing route or an in route and Phillips ran with him that left the Allen wide open for the touchdown. Yeah, maybe that was the case. I wasn't watching too closely at the beginning. I was doing uh studying for finals. But uh yeah, I mean I think Denard I, I mean he was up and down all game. Even without that, if you don't count that, I think I saw I saw him get a get some separate well, the wide receiver get some separation on him a little bit. I don't remember which Williams brother it is. I kinda get him confused, but uh both the Williams brothers got some separation on him. And not, I don't even think they're brothers, but whatever. They're tall. So they're tall, and their last name is Williams, so it's the same thing. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, he played up. He played okay. Uh, I think he – I don't know if he made himself any money this game. I think he made himself a lot more money last game for sure. Uh, he played very well last game, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's obviously he – is what he's, he is what he is. He's a solid guy, nothing special, nothing, nothing – he's not terrible, but, yeah. And I think Kavari Russell had his best game as a Bengal. He allowed some catches, but for the most part, he was holding his own, which was really, really nice to see. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Darius Phillips had a couple of mistakes like you touched on earlier. Uh, 
I mean, you're going to have that from rookies like him. I mean, he's up and down, especially when he's a smaller guy. He, he has a size matchup playing against him. All the Chargers uh, wide receivers minus Keenan Allen are kind of big imposing guys. So, I mean, it's kind of hard uh, for a guy that small to kind of get an advantage over a team like the Chargers. But, I mean, all, I mean, he played all right. But he definitely did make some mistakes, like you said. Yeah, but that's what – he's a fifth-round rookie. I mean, for a fifth-round guy, I'll take that all day. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, Christian Ringo, I thought, played really well. Yeah, who – these all these defensive tackles. Like, I know Christian Ringo. He was on the team either a year ago or two years ago. Two years ago, Packers. practice squad. Yeah, he's from the Packers back then. Uh, I don't know if he went back to the Packers or not, but um, some other guy came in. It was uh, – I, I don't even... He had a weird last name. Yeah, pretty weird last name, and I had I, I have never heard of this guy before. I didn't hear, I wasn't even aware he was on the team. I'm assuming he came on the team when Adolphus Washington got hurt. But yeah, he did. I can't remember his name. He's the one name I can't remember. But he had a huge run stop. Yeah, he he played very well. And I mean, back on defense and back on Marvin. Uh, I mean, we pinned them in the end of uh, pretty far back. I think it was both both times it was inside the tenth in the second half. We pinned them back, and it was three and out and inside the 10-yard line, and we played very well, and that showed me some real promise. Dunlap stepped up. Dunlap had a great game. Uh, Billings had an up-and-down game. I know we had a question about this uh, later on that we're going to answer anyway, but, I mean, what do you think about Billings? Uh, just inconsistent, kind of a liability issue. He gets hurt a lot, nothing major, but he seems to always go down. He's going to miss a set of plays, and he's going to come back in, and he's – He's really, really inconsistent. Like, sometimes he's going to blow up the hole and the running back going nowhere. Or there's times where it looks like he's not a 400-pound lineman. It looks like he's a 100-pound guy getting wiped out of play with no sweat from the offensive line. And I think a lot of it is I, – I noticed this today. Uh, yes, he got this – he got a sack. Uh, it was pretty close halfway through the game. And uh, that made me think about something. And I kept watching as he played on. He came out after that play, but I believe he went back in. Uh, but I even before that, he he's going for the pass rush too much. I don't think he. I think he's thinking he's a three technique. And I know, uh, coming out of college, he expressed interest in like being a three technique, kind of getting those sacks as well. And he was kind of scouted to be kind of an, a tweener, not really a, not really a complete three technique, not really a complete one technique, which is nose tackle, but kind of he's scouted to be both. And they said, okay, he can play both. And he's kind of playing like he's trying to play both at the same time. And I think he needs to play his position more. I mean, he's not really trying to be that one gapping, uh, run stuffing defensive tackle. He's going, he's going for that three technique, and I don't think that's his role. Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't got a chance to rewatch too much of the game yet. We're, we're recording, guys. Just so you know, we're recording this just a couple hours after the game ended, so we haven't really rewatched too much of it. But yeah, I agree with you. Said it certainly does seem like that, and that. I wonder if that's just an issue with the coaches can fix if that would just help his game so much, or I just wonder how much I would actually improve his play once he fixes it. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. Um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, I think the defense played very well, like you said earlier. Um, offensive line, Bobby Hart, Billy Price, they both played very bad. Redmond too. Uh, Redmond played terrible as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, really impressed by Billy Price that he can manage to go full start without snapping the ball. That's impressive. Yeah, it looked like he kind of like uh, fell back on his heels, kind of yeah. like lost balance a little bit. And I mean, that's going to come. You're going to get that a little bit from a rookie who just started playing center a year and a half ago. Yeah, and this, um, and this is but 
Go ahead. Sorry. I think he's I think he's also a guard. Uh, the more I see it, the more I think that Trey Hopkins should be the starting center and Billy Price should be starting that right guard. And, I mean, currently the best five offensive linemen are Westerman, Bowling, Hopkins, Price, and Andre Smith. And I think that you have to get all five of these guys on the Smith over Glenn? I, well, Glenn's hurt. Okay, as of right now, okay. As of right now. When Glenn comes back, I think you probably take Andre out and – See, in college, I believe Cordy Glenn was Cordy Glenn was a guard. Left guard Glenn was t- left tackle. Glenn was left tackle. I was reading up some old scouting reports um, on Cordy Glenn, and a lot of people seem to think he could be a right tackle. So maybe Bobby Hart continues under underperform. Clint Bowling continues to perform at left tackle. Westerman shows the coaches that he can play well. You think about moving Cordy Glenn to right tackle, or maybe you think about moving Bowling to right tackle. I, I think you have to find a way to get your five best offensive linemen on the field, especially when you have this bad an offensive line, especially when the season's already over. you got to try it. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, for the coaches, they might see it as a risk, but if you keep losing, then you got to try something to change it. Not putting the best players on the field is something Marvin has always struggled with, and, again, he struggles. And some people – Another thing. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. And just something real quick on Cordy Glenn. There's some people who tell me, like, oh, Cordy Glenn's freaking awful. Or, he's horrible. I mean, he's not awful. He's a little inconsistent. He's not great, but he's a solid left tackle. And I feel like we're just in a day in the NFL where you're, it's hard to find really, really good offensive tackles. Yeah, I mean, the offensive tackle, in my opinion, is definitely the most the most scarce position in the league by far. I mean, you, you see a lot of guards, a lot of centers. I mean, there's a lot of every position. There's an abundance of it. But when you look at offensive tackle, that's really the only position where, okay, there's not really that much. And very few teams have more than one good offensive tackle. And Cordy Glenn, like you said, he's not terrible. Uh, And we talked about this last week with the Bills, and the Bills were kind of happy to get rid of him because of his injury proneness. And, I mean, and they said he's kind of mediocre overall. And, I mean, a little bit of that mediocrity is showing through. But, I mean, a mediocre tackle in this NFL – is a little bit above average because, I mean, there's just that's the tackle play is that scarce. And yes, he's a little injury prone. Yes, he's inconsistent, like you said. But I mean, we're only paying him 10 million, which is pretty cheap if you look at the other tackle prices across the league. And if you go into free agency, and let's say, I don't know if Tyron Smith's contract is up, but if you went into free agency and tried to pay Tyron Smith, he'd make $20 million a year. Yeah. We're paying Cordy Glenn 10 million. None of it's guaranteed. He's essentially on options right now. I believe he's on under contract for two more seasons through the 2020 season. We can cut him at any time or with no penalty. Mm-hmm. So I, it's a very team team. Uh, what's the word? Friendly team friendly contract. Yeah. So I mean, it's, he's not really that expensive. Yeah, and I'll, uh, forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, Cordy Glenn. I mean, tech, just, best way to say it is. Oh yeah, actually, I remember what I was going to say. Some of these worst games, it was a two-and-a-half game stretch between the Panthers and Dolphins. For two-and-a-half games, he was just really struggling. And according to James Rapine, he said he believed Glenn was dealing with a very minor knee injury that was really affecting his play, And which I actually think is true because after the Dolphins game, I feel like he stepped up his game a little bit more. So just, I feel like injuries is just what primarily brings Glenn down. Yeah, and I feel like Glenn's going to be another one of those players. That, I mean, he's kind of more of a bonus, kind of like Tyler Eifert. When he's healthy, he's that's great, but you can't count on him being healthy. And that's, I mean, that's fine, I guess. But I mean, that just means you have to go out there and get a replacement. 
And, I mean, I think the best offensive tackle in this year's class is Jawan James from the Dolphins. And I know last year there was talk of Bengals possibly trading for him. The Dolphins are, are uh, what's the word, shopping him. And Bengals were reportedly interested. So when if the Dolphins don't re-up his contract, if they don't re-sign him, if they don't extend him, Bengals should be a little bit interested. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna make twelve or thirteen million dollars a year. He is. That's but perfectly fine. That's a that's fine. I mean, me. a good a good right tackle is gonna cost money, and I think after that, you let Obuiki go. Obviously, if you do get Jawan James, I believe you can let Jake Fisher go, and then you go and draft another offensive tackle, preferably in the first two or three rounds. And some guys that we've already talked about. I mean, there's Jonah Williams and Yadni Kajusti, obviously. But there's also guys like Dalton Risner, Scott Brantz, um, Bobby Evans, Andre Dilliard, uh, Caleb McGarry, who we have not talked about. And I don't think we talked about Bobby Evans or Andre Dilliard either. But Caleb McGarry, he's a guy that I'm, I'm kind of getting off tangent. We didn't really prepare this. I don't have a scouting report in front of me. But Caleb McGarry, he's uh, he's very good. He's He reminds me a little bit of Michael – not Michael Lynch. Sorry. Reminds me a little, yeah, but yeah, Mike McGlinchey actually reminds me a little bit of Mike Mike McGlinchey, except a little better of a uh, pass protector. Um, later on in the year, we'll do some more scouting on him. But Caleb McGarry, I mean, he's a very good guy. Uh, probably going to end up going in the second round, and he's a pretty good target there. Uh, I think he definitely a guy to look into, and we we will go come come back with more uh, scouting stuff on more often tackles guys we've missed in the previous uh, scouting reports. Just because as the season goes on, more guys are going to show up. And you just never know until after the season's over and after everything's gone through. But, yeah, um, like I said, though, if you you doubling up an offensive line, tripling up, whatever you need to do, but you that's a big hole, you got to fix it. Yeah. You know, we got completely off track. We were still talking about the game. But um, before we get back on, I'm just going to say about Billy Price. Yes, he's been struggling, but most rookie linemen struggle – these especially the interior guys. ones, yeah. especially the interior ones. Yeah, Billy Price, he's playing center, still a relatively new position. Uh, offensive scheme that I don't think – I mean, it's not a huge weakness for him, but it doesn't go to his great strength, and he's still adapting. And I know Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlitch have done pretty well, but other than those two, there really hasn't been a good, phenomenal offensive lineman. Will Hernandez for Giants has been – really inconsistent and I think has been more bad than good just based off what I've seen I could be very wrong uh the only the only three interior offensive linemen that have been performing that are rookies right now are, are the two Colts guys Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson and Frank Ragnar who was my draft crush but I, yeah. we better not get into that or I'll get heated yeah, um, I mean, he's playing guard just saying he is playing guard however I think I mean that's 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 exactly my point. I mean, he's playing out of possession. He's been playing a top as a top three interior offensive lineman. I think he's a he's definitely a better center than he is guard, one hundred percent. Yes, he has experience at guard. He played guard, I believe, it was his first two years of college, and then he switched over to center. But I mean, he was by far the best center in the draft, and it wasn't very close either. Um, not even not even a little bit. Uh, I he was very good yeah, center. That's not what the many, Bengals wanted. That is who the Bengals wanted. Stupid uh, Lions. I, one of my sources told me that, and Willie Anderson also uh, said that. And normally, what Willie says is pretty good. He he has he knows people inside the organization. Yeah. My source, he, my source is it's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> I won't get into him, but uh, he's he's right, but he's kind of vague on some stuff. But uh, back onto the topic. Um, yeah, he's definitely uh. 
uh, Willie Anderson, he's definitely he definitely knows his stuff. And just be patient with Billy Price, guys. Yeah, he's going to have these growing pains, but he's a rookie. He's going to get better. And it's just unfair to expect Price to be this all-star center. I think people, they just finally say, oh, not Bodine. Then when he isn't perfect, they're a little disappointed. Yeah, and I mean, well, I, last week I heard people comparing him to Bodine. And I was like, mm, you must have not been here for the Bodine, <laughs> yeah. Bodine days because Bodine was a much, he was much worse. Uh, I think, yeah. But anyway. Um, getting back on track. Yeah, getting back on track. Uh, I thought Driscoll, I thought he played pretty average. I mean, he was pretty, like, you you told or you told me this earlier, and um, I think it was around halftime we, we were texting, and I thought Driscoll was playing a little bit above average. He thought he was playing average. And as the game went on, I kind of went to your side. He, Driscoll's play kind of declined as the game went on. And what did you kind of finish with that? Average, below average, above average? What did you think? I, I think this game was defining average, honestly. He was making most of the throws you'd expect a quarterback to make. He missed some. There were a couple times where he made some really good throws, and there were times where he just made a throw. You're like, what is he doing? Like, there were times on just a couple short routes to the outside he completely whiffed on. But it, he really didn't elevate the team. And it's kind of what an average quarterback is. They Game went, Yeah, almost – I was actually going to kind of talk about Andy. Hey, I think Andy's better, but the if we had Andy this game, I don't think he makes enough difference for us to win based off how he's been playing this season. Yeah, I don't think there's that huge of a drop-off between Driscoll and Andy. And I think if we did have Andy, we probably would have won that game. But if we're going to draft a quarterback, I think you can have Driscoll as your stopgap starter. I think you can trade Dalton and get a second, second or third, second or second, late first, whatever you can get value for Dalton and you can't really get value for Driscoll. Mm-hmm. That being said, Driscoll is not significantly worse, but he's a little bit worse than Dalton mainly, mainly because he's pretty much a rookie. He hasn't taken any meaningful snaps in the NFL and he, he just looks, unex, he looks inexperienced uh, in versus pressure. And he's, it's different than when you see Dalton. Dalton, he kind of freaks out under pressure and his accuracy is, you can see through his accuracy that he freaks out. Driscoll's a little bit different. Driscoll kind of stays in the pocket too long. And that kind of reminded me of Cody Kessler a little bit uh, when he was with the Browns. And we saw this at the end of the game. He kind of stayed in the pocket too long. I believe it was on the two-point conversion. Yeah, and he's also stepping down CJ. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Well, that that too. But um, he kind of – I was about to get to that. He kind of stares down that one guy hoping he gets open. He doesn't really anticipate the route break. Um, but, yeah, he kind of – he kind of just sits there and he was kind of hoping he'd have time. And sometimes he does great and he gets out of the pocket and he scrambles. And I know we talked about this last week. I wonder if that's the coaching, if they've been coaching in the past two, three weeks telling him, Hey, you need to be Dalt. You need to be Andy right now. You're not being you. You're the backup quarterback to Andy. You're supposed to be Andy. And I feel like if they just let him loose, he'd be scrambling a lot more. But I feel like it's Marvin and his ear telling him, well, obviously not in his ear. They have rules against that. They can't talk during the plays, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And yeah, there were times where Driscoll scrambled, and there's one one that stuck in my mind. Might have been in the first quarter, maybe. Derwin was coming in and bringing pressure, and Driscoll recognized he escaped the pocket and kind of ran away from Derwin and got a first down. Yeah, that is. I, I, do, I do remember that play. Uh, I thought that was impressive. And he definitely played better as uh, early on, and then he kind of declined. And I think a lot of it is because the team ended up having – he had to carry the team. And 
something that really pissed me off towards the end of the towards the end of the game, the last drive when we were trying to come back, the only person on the offense that gave a shit was Jeff Driscoll. Um, on the very last play, he was the only one that had any urgency. He was scrambling to the line. He was screaming at all his linemen and his wide receivers to get set up so he could snap the ball. No one else was trying, and he was pissed off. You could tell he didn't he didn't show it after the play because I mean he obviously he's a rookie court or not rookie backup quarterback coming in. He doesn't really have that much say with uh, with the starters, but he's the only one that gave a shit, and that that really pissed me off because I mean you could just see it dying in him, and I think Mixon has probably felt this way too. But you can just see he he was truly trying, and I. I love that about him, and mm-hmm. I you could you could tell that he actually cared. He has more of an it factor than Andy. Yeah, for sure, and I, it's just the passion that got to me, and I I feel for Driscoll, I I feel for the situation he's in, and he he really he really cared, and no one else really did. I mean, I I rewatched that last play like probably three times, just it just made me mad. Um, but anyway, Not that we're gonna win anyways, but still, it's just I know it's, it's the passion, it's the principle. Yeah, you want to see fight. Exactly, we weren't gonna win. I wanted to see the fight. Driscoll showed the fight. No one else did, and that pissed me off. But off of, off of the Bengals game uh, around the NFL, Steelers got upset by the by the Raiders. Um, <laughs> what a game! What a game! That was <laughs> ended with a uh, their kicker slipped on the game winning field goal, and there it went. Something I really want to say, Guthner defense bungled to the Steelers on that final drive, then they got bailed out. Yeah, they <laughs> Yeah, uh definitely. Um other than that, other games around the NFL. Uh currently Chicago is beating the Rams. No, no, they're tied now, three to three. Um Atlanta lost to the Packers thirty-four twenty. Uh George Kittle had a big day. I I know I'm kind of going to individual players away from the Bengals, but he had, as a tight end, seven receptions, 210 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Patriots were upset, 34-33. They can Miami. Miami. Yeah, Miami has their number. I don't really understand that, but uh, Kenny Stills finally had his breakout game, and that kind of pisses me off because I just dropped him last week because he was pissing me off. Um, New Orleans came back against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was beating them for a while. Uh, I mean, Philadelphia lost 29-23 to the Cowboys. Cowboys are probably going to steal that division away now. I mean, it, it was it was a great week for the NFL. Yeah, and Amar, that Amari Cooper trade, I said it when it happened. That was a really good trade for the Cowboys. That was I know good... the first round seemed high, but I think they're going for a win now, and Amari Cooper has played much better since going to Dallas. Yeah, he has, and I, I admit I was one of the critics of that trade. And my reasoning behind it was I didn't think Amari Cooper could have that kind of effect. I, I thought he, even if he played good, I didn't, I thought the Cowboys were going to have a top 10 pick. And that seemed a little steep for a guy like Amari Cooper, just because I didn't see him having that kind of impact. But boy, was I wrong. He changed that whole offense. Now that pick is look is going to be at least at the very worst, like in the late teens, probably further, further back than that. Um, and he completely turned that team around. I was wrong. Great trade by the Cowboys. Raiders continue to suck. But anyway. <laughs> except today. Um, except today. Except today. And I'm glad they won today. But uh, after, other than that, uh, we got some questions from you guys. Braden posted some. Uh, he 
yeah, he prompted you guys for questions on his Instagram story, Bengals underscore NFL. Uh, and we're going to answer some of those for you guys. Uh, do you want to start? Yeah. I'm pulling them up right now. I got them pulled up, so I can, I'll can. i do one first. Uh, okay. Tyler Boyd, decent or great? Uh, definitely not great. I think decent would be an understatement. I think he's a great complimentary wide receiver. I don't know if he break, broke that 1,000-yard mark today. He's very Ten yards cool. short. 10 yards short? Yep. So he's at 990 right now. And I, I don't think if you have – if you're going to have a 1,000-yard season, I don't think you can call him decent. But he's definitely he's not great. And I think he relies on having – he relies on not getting those double coverages. He's definitely not capable of being that number one wide receiver guy. Uh, he's kind of in that in that in-between high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one, kind of like what Marvin Jones was in. Different players, obviously. But Tyler Boyd, uh, I'll call him good. He's a good receiver. Um, definitely not a number one, not a number two either. I, he's in the, he's in that in between area. Um, do you have one or? Yeah. Uh, question from a Chargers fan: Why do we still have Marvin Lewis? Uh, if you go to Wikipedia and read about Mike Brown for two minutes, then you'll have your answer. Good answer. Um. Okay. So next question uh, from a dot chiang twenty nine. Um, why do the Bengals always pass an elite linebackers in the draft? I got two. An- I got two answers for this. One, because they were burned. Uh, I forget what year it was. It was uh, two thousand. Was that was that the year they picked? Uh, oh crap! I forget Keith his name. Rivers. Rivers. I forget his first name now. Keith. I think. Keith Rivers. That's what it was. They got burned by Keith Rivers, and they picked him. I believe it was top ten, top fifteen, top ten. I think. And he was ninth overall. Ninth overall complete bust uh and he was just he was terrible uh injury riddled uh and i think that's why they're kind of skeptical to do it now i don't think it's marvin though because there was a lot of reports that marvin was banging the table for ruben foster and tobin mike brown decided to go with ross so i don't blame that on marvin however i i just those are my two answers essentially uh yeah that's just how Mike Brown and Tobin are. That's just how they've done things. And they got burnt in the past taking linebackers high. And I don't yeah. know if that's the right way to go about it. Just- Especially when you want to take – they've been burned for a couple positions. Like, I think if – let's just say last year we stuck at 12. Edmonds wasn't there. Uh, Rokon wasn't there. Mike McGlinchey wasn't there. And I feel like, okay, we've been burned by a boy, so we shouldn't take him. That's a bad excuse. I feel was like, Edmonds gone at 12? What? Was Edmonds gone at 12? No, he was there. I'm just saying hypothetically. Oh, yeah. I don't think they would have taken Edmonds. I don't either. Just the way how the Bengals act. However, it, it did make it interesting. I at, for, Going into the draft, I didn't think they would be taking Edmonds, but the pick of Malik Jefferson made me kind of question that just because they're both kind of raw, raw linebackers. So I was thinking, well, maybe they might take Edmonds, but they don't like – in the past, they haven't really taken that, like, young first-round picks. Uh, I believe it was – I forget what year this was, but there's some point where for a while they, were, they would only take 22 or 23-year-olds with that pick, and they wouldn't take anyone younger than that. So, I that, – Go ahead. Not the best way to go about things. Not the best way to go about it at all. Uh, you're up. All right. Next switch, actually – I'll go. I'll finish off that Andrew Billings question we got. So the evaluate, as we said, very inconsistent. I feel like he can be a really good player, but 
there's just a lot of red flags, the, in, the consistent injuries in games where he just goes out for a set of plays. I think if he, he shouldn't be like a huge, like, oh, we have to get somebody else in there. But if you have a chance at a guy like Ed Oliver, you take him. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not – some guy that he's on IR right now, Ryan Glasgow, He, I think he should be the starter. Excuse me. At that one technique, uh, defensive line spot, at that nose tackle spot. And um, I, while, while I don't – I would not let him stop me from taking Ed Oliver or Quinn Williams, I think that Ryan Glasgow is a very capable – starting nose tackle he's not going to be a pro bowler but he's he's a little he's slightly above average and i think that's enough as long as you can shore up linebacker offensive tackle um by being able to say okay i have a nose tackle in ryan glasgow i don't need to take that well i don't need to take a nose tackle in the second round i don't need to take a nose tackle in the third round because i have ryan glasgow and then you use that pick to take a corner or you take the position that you actually need um but yeah that's what i got in that um what who is the most underrated rookie that is on the on the Bengals roster currently? Underrated, I think you got to go to Darius Phillips. Uh, so by the NFL standpoint, I would have I'd have I'd have to say Jesse Bates just because I don't think a lot of people know about him. Uh, around the NFL, at least Bengals fans obviously know a lot about him, but around the NFL, Jesse Bates definitely. Jesse Bates has been arguably a top five rookie this year. Um. On the Bengals, I would have to say – I don't know if this counts as underrated because, I mean, we all – I I know all the draft picks very well. It's hard for me to put my put my mind in the frame of a, fan, of a traditional fan. But I would have to say Sam Hubbard, uh, and not in the way that you're thinking. Um, he's been playing very well at edge, obviously, because that's his position. But I think he's been very underrated on the goal line, and he's been playing that Domita Pekka role where he's been coming in on the goal line and being that fullback that we don't use a roster spot on. Um, and I, I think he's that versatility is very underrated about him, and I think that's going to be very useful in the future. I can respect that. And Hubbard had a chance for a touchdown today on the play where Hubbard was like inches short of the goal line, which I thought was a touchdown and thought it was stupid they overturned. Hubbard was open. If Driscoll pulled the trigger, that could – I'm not saying Hubbard would have caught it, but right. it would have hit his hands. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely an athletic guy. He played the cross growing up. And yeah, definitely. He was uh, a safety in high school. Yeah, that, yeah, he did. Um, who do you think would will break out – who do you think will have a breakout season next year? Sorry, the guy. That's from Da underscore merchandise. Uh, hmm. I'll let you answer that first, and then I'll have my answer. All right, breakout next year. So much depends on that on the coaching, but just based off what I've seen, I think Price will take a huge leap next year. We've seen many players on the Bengals kind of just get much better after their rookie year. I think Price, he's going to have a little experience, be a little more confident in himself, and I think he's going to really show why the Bengals took him round one. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to double down on the previous answer with Sam Hubbard. Uh, I think next year Michael Johnson won't be on the team anymore. I think Sam Hubbard will get will steal that spot from Jordan Willis and well Michael Johnson obviously he won't be on the team. I think he's gonna take that spot. And I think Carl Lawson's gonna be coming off on in nickel, obviously. And um I'm on passing downs, I think I don't know which one's gonna slide in, but either Dunlap or Hubbard will slide in and Lawson will come in at the other end spot. Um Yeah, I, Hubbard Hubbard's probably my pick. However, I I think 
I don't know if this really counts as a breakout, but uh, Clayton, Clayton Fedge. Uh, I know he he's had some he's had some flashes this year, and I think this is a pretty bold prediction. But I think he could end up with that starting strong safety strong safety spot next year, and not because Sean Williams sucks, but I think they might move Sean Williams to linebacker. Especially if they do go through that three safety set, like it was talked about in the off season a lot, how they could do that. But then, I think I, Williams as a nickel linebacker, just covering a tight end is a good match for him. Yeah, I I definitely agree. But uh, yeah, I mean that was talked about in, in the off season, obviously because they all they had Ioka at the time, and then they cut Ioka, and that that kind of that idea kind of went down the toilet. But uh, yeah, I mean. That, that's my answer to that question. You had your answer. Uh, next up, I'll, do you want to pick your question? Sure. Who do you think is the best replacement for Marvin Lewis? Uh, best replacement? I'm going to be completely unrealistic here, Lincoln Riley. I think a uh, offensive genius. I think he's an offensive genius. I think him and Cincinnati would do wonders for us. Be great for the city and for the organization, but that would never, ever happen. I agree as long as they would give him power. Um, I don't know if they would give a, a rookie head coach who's never coached in the NFL power before. Marvin Lewis holds a lot of weight only because he's been there so long. He has experience. Lincoln Riley coming in, I don't think they'd give him the power of the checkbook, the power of the purse. I don't think they'd give him the power to pick his first-round pick. I don't think they'd give him the power to pick his quarterback. And that's my issue with that. So with that, I'm going to go completely outside the box and go Bruce Arians. Ooh. Bruce Arians, he, he's been reportedly interested in a job like this. I've, I've heard reports that he's interested in Cincinnati. Um, he's a very experienced guy, established head coach. And a guy like that, the Bengals front office would most certainly give power to, give, give the power of the purse to him, let him draft his quarterback. Uh, other than Bruce Arians, because he is in retirement right now, if he didn't come to the Bengals, I would have to go with the Chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric. I don't know how to pronounce his last name exactly, but I think it's Benemy. Uh Ben Ben Benyemi, something like that. Chiefs offensive Chiefs offensive yeah, sorry. Chiefs offensive coordinator. Uh he's done wonders with Pat Mahomes. And again, that would be contingent upon him being able to pick his quarterback. And if if he was the pick, I think you'd have to trade up and get Haskins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and obviously this wasn't a question, but I think the most realistic option, and Cole Harvey said it. I think it was Cole Harvey. It was, didn't Cole Harvey used to cover us before Cat? Yeah, I didn't even know he still existed, but yeah, yeah, Cole Harvey. Yeah, he does the Yankees now, but he said today he fully believes, just based off from like his time in Cincinnati, that Hugh Jackson will take over. And if that's the case, I will, I will not be a part of this podcast anymore. I will not be part of Bengals Twitter. I will not be a part of anything Bengals anymore. I will become a fan of a different NFL team to be named later. I cannot deal with, I cannot deal with another decade of mediocrity. Uh, so let's, not, let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, but uh, I think the most realistic option outside of Hugh Jackson would be Jim Peterson, the Washington, uh, Washington State, Washington, one of the two. I forget right now. Uh, Washington, I think. I believe it's Washington as well. Uh, yeah, the Peterson out of the head coach of Washington. Um, he has not been an NFL coach yet, but he's been in the college game for a while. Uh, he's more of a realistic option because he's not going to be a, a huge – he's not going to be the big head coaching candidate. He's not going to be the top of anyone's list, but he's sneaky under the radar, and I think he could do a good job. Yep. Uh, 
Our next question is Joe Mixon's realistic be teaching our future QB situation. There's a lot of questions on the quarterback, so we'll get to that on a more specific question, but Mixon has the potential to be a superstar. All contingent offensive line. Yeah, yeah, I was about to get to that, but just talent-wise, he has all the potential in the world. We've seen it. We even saw it in today's game. Like The offensive line run blocking was not that good, but just his vision, his cutback, just so good. You just get a solid offensive line, a decent offensive line that there's not a defender in his face. He will be really, really freaking good. I mean, I can promise that. Yeah. Um, I I think I'm, I'm not, I don't really have a response on that other than what you said. So I'm going to just second what you just said. Um, and we have, next up, we have some Haskins questions. So I'm going to kind of group, group them together. Uh, Dylan Alba. Asked uh, Dwayne Haskins thoughts and uh, Kyle Hadley asked, uh, "What are the actual odds we take Haskins? Uh, thoughts on Dwayne Haskins?" Uh, I did. I was talking to some guys and they asked me to. Uh, some of my friends from Twitter they asked me to rank uh, the last three draft classes, including this one, and their quarterback, their quarterback prospects. And Haskins wasn't the bottom of the list; he was slightly below the middle. Um, I see him as a little bit of a better prospect than Trubisky. Um, and for context, I had Rosen, Baker, uh, Goff, Wentz, um, who else? I believe he was seventh or eighth on the list. I forget who else was above him. Forgive me. Don't really remember. But there, he's seventh or eighth on the list. And that he's not, he's not a perfect prospect by any means. He's the best prospect in a bad class. So when I... When I see Haskins, he's inconsistent at times. He has a great arm. Production's obviously there. All the tools are there. He's just – he kind of struggles with those uh, progressing – or his progressions kind of struggle at times. He kind of – the sideline passes can get inconsistent. And he's not really asked to do anything over the middle too much. Like, not intermediate, obviously, is intermediate deep he is. But, like, short crossing routes, uh, underneath coverages, stuff like that. He's not really asked to do that much, so he's inexperienced. Obviously, he's a first round. He's a first, not first round, first year starter. Uh, kind of like Trubisky was. I think he has more potential than Trubisky. He has a better arm than Trubisky. He's just. We're gonna do a scouting report on him. I believe. Are we gonna do the quarterbacks next week? Uh, I yeah, we are. We can do some quarterbacks next week. So we'll do Haskins, uh, Grier, um. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. And do we want to do Herbert or we just kind of he stays at school? Uh, let's wait until he makes his decision. All right. Quarterbacks are going to take us a while anyway. So let's just do three quarterbacks. Uh, so we'll do three quarterbacks next week. So we'll answer that question a little bit more uh, next week. But um, next question, I let's go with why are the Browns better than the Bengals? Because they're willing to take risks. Uh, they're willing to hire and fire people very quickly. They are not happy with being mediocre. That's my answer. That basically says it. One, they have more of a will to win than us. Yep. All right. Uh, Seth Cooper asked, what problems do the Bengals need to fix to win? Linebacker, offensive tackle, quarterback. Uh, yeah. About a lot. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Uh, we definitely we need to overhaul that linebacker core. Uh, we need – Offensive tackle, I think we can get by at guard and center, but we definitely need another offensive tackle. Um, 
two linebackers, at least one, preferably two. Because I think Vigil is salvageable. I think uh, Malik Jefferson might be salvageable. But, I mean, you can't really give up on third round early. Uh, I mean, yeah. we don't have that many holes on paper. It's A lot of it's just the coaching. So, I mean, if we got if we got Lincoln Riley on this team, if we had a a above-average head coach, I believe we could win nine games with this roster. We I don't. We could win ten, honestly. Well, I, I don't want to go ten just because teams can easily exploit our linebackers, but they they would be a winning football team if we had a competent head coach, which we don't have. Um, yeah. Uh, we had a not a question, but a statement. We should have drafted Lamar Jackson. No cap. I still disagree to a point. I see what the Ravens are doing. They're going for the future, but I'm still not sold on Lamar Jackson. He played pretty well, but he played a bad Kansas City defense. He He's still running a lot more than I would like to see, and he was in concussion protocol last week, and that's kind of my concern. He's going to get hurt, get hit in the head with his frame. So I, I'm not sold on Lamar yet. I don't blame that concussion on his playing style just because it was kind of a freak thing. I believe he got like kicked or something like that. It was exactly. Uh, but it wasn't really anything to do with his playing style. I do have that concern. I don't, I don't blame that injury because of his playing style, but I do have a concern with his playing style. He ran the ball 27 times against us. I believe he's ran the ball at least 11 times in every other game. That's not sustainable. Um, you can't have a quarterback doing that. He's going to get hurt. And I don't think he has the ability to be a, a pocket passer. I I think okay. I think he's a good he's a good passer who doesn't have an arm. And he I, I had some Twitter fights about this today and people were saying, Oh, he has the he has the arm. He has he can make all the throws. Well, one, he hasn't even been asked to make all the throws yet. He's in he's in a dumbed down offense. He, you can't say he can make all the throws if he hasn't tried to make all the NFL throws yet. Two a lot of throws, yet the throws he's been asked to make, he hasn't done well. He's been inconsistent with them. And three, and most importantly, he doesn't have zip. He doesn't have that arm strength to fit the ball into tight windows fast. He, I, I saw this immediately when he came in, not came in, but when he was against, uh, when he was playing up, and it was a crossing route over the middle, probably, I don't know, seven, eight yards deep, and it was right when the the route broke, um, on the right side where the slot receiver lined up. That's where the route broke is an in route. Right when that route broke, maybe like a few steps after that route broke, he threw it right over the he, – he threw the ball straight ahead, right in the middle, and the wide receiver was probably like five, six yards away. And the ball got – I mean, yes, the, he caught the ball. It was – it was it wasn't on target completely. But my main issue with it was when he threw the ball, the receiver was six six yards away, and – the ball took that long to get there. And that was really more time to react. Sorry, that just came into my head. What? That also gives the defense more time to react. Well, yeah, that and he wasn't under any pressure either. It's not like he was like trying to get the, rid of the ball. There was no pressure, completely clean pocket. So, um, I mean, that's just one example, obviously. I'm not going to use anecdotes to sustain my whole claim. But I've seen, I've seen this a lot. And coming out of the draft, I believe he had the – the week, like they coming out, they have the um, the top quarterbacks go through. I forget what it's called exactly. Maybe it's uh sports science, I believe sports science, and they track the ball velocity and they say, okay, throw it as hard as you can. And Lamar Jackson had like fifty three miles an hour for context. Josh Allen had like seventy two, and most of the others were like 
low 60s or high 50s to look to low or to high 50s to high 60s. So they're Lamar Jackson had the weakest arm statistically against all the other quarterbacks. And I know, yes, it's not a game situation. He was just in shorts, whatever, but that's, that's, that's the case. Uh, that's my case against it. Um, but yeah, another question we have, uh, this one was kind of interesting. When is the city going to show some respect to the fans and pay players that we need, that we need and get rid of, I'm assuming it says and get rid of the bad players kind of cut off, but, um, I don't, I don't know what the city has to do with it, but I think he meant the team. Um, I mean, I think they've kind of done that a little bit. I mean, obviously there's Whitworth and Zeitler who they kind of let go, but there's also guys like Atkins and Dunlap that they extended. And I, that was very un- uncharacteristic of them, in my opinion, just because I normally when they have two really big guys coming uh, with their contracts expiring, they normally pay one of them, let the other one walk. And I, I mean, you can talk about this with Leon Hall and uh, Jonathan Joseph. Like, I mean, the list goes on and on. I'm not going to get into it too much, but I mean, <clears throat> that's that's the case. Uh, and I I think they're starting to do that. Like you said, pay some respect to the fans and pay the players that we need. And they've done that recently. And as long as they can keep trying to do that, I mean, right now they put themselves in a good position. Coming into free agency, the only really big ticket free agent we have is Dirk Wiesenard. And losing him, in, he's not exactly this great player he's not bad obviously but if we let him go it's not a huge deal um getting rid of the bad players again they've kind of started that i mean they cut they cut george not a bad player but aging and obviously not the guy he used to be and obviously not a top two safety they cut ray malugo they i i think perfect's gone after this year by the way but that's besides the point um I mean, they they've they've done some cuts. They cut Pecco. They I don't know if they cut Pecco. They let let him get, or they just didn't resign him. But they have gotten rid of the bad players re- recent recently. Yeah. So I think I think that's gonna be better. I think the main issue as of now has nothing to do with the front office and their decisions on signing, resigning, and extending players because they've kind of resolved that ever since the Zeitler and uh, Whitworth incident. But I think mostly right now it's just the the X is the coaching. Yep. And I don't think we really need to go into much detail about that. We all know, Mike Brown. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, no reason to go over it for the millionth time. Yeah, and I believe that was our last question. Do you have any more? Uh, uh, I, I, let me see. Uh, why didn't Mixon get the ball? Well, he got the ball. Uh, yeah, he got it today, but. I guess most games he doesn't get it enough. This was the first time that Mixon has gotten the ball over 20 times when we have lost. But I just feel like Laser might try and overcomplicate things or just can't put two and two together. Because I do know where he's coming from. There's times where Mixon's averaging over six yards of carry, but then they just take him out and Gio Bernard is getting snaps that Mixon probably should be for a long period of time. And I think it's just Bill Laser. Yeah, that's all I can really say. I, I agree, uh, and I know, I know, I, I think I want to touch on this before we finish up for the day. I know I've been critical on the play calling in the past, and yes, there were some moments today where it was very bad. But I think today it was an improvement, and I think they showed that there is potential. Marvin Lewis, he made adjustments, and that was something I really wanted to see. Um, yeah, I think he's just. 
I, I think he's doing better in terms of play calling. Bill Lazier had a better game today, too, and I just want to give them credit where it's due. I think they did improve. Yeah, also, the two-point play calling wasn't great. Well, the first one, the swing pass, I think that's – I I think since 2015, I feel like all we've done has been swing passes. And on the second one, I, I blame that more on Driscoll because the line actually held off pretty well. I mean, Western men technically gave up the sack, but Driscoll held on to that ball while staring down CJ. He's got to find a way to get rid of that ball. And two-point – sorry, I can't talk. But he's got to get rid of the ball when you're in that situation. I I tend to agree. But um, that's all we got for today, guys. We're kind of going over on time a little bit. Sorry about that. Kind of almost 50 minutes. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about three quarterback prospects, as we just discussed, uh, Will Greyer. Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. So that's all we got for today, guys. Next week we'll come back with some quarterback prospects. It's gonna take a little longer to do those film reviews just because we're gonna the quarterbacks. We want to get it right. We're gonna watch as many games as we can. I got finals this week. Wish me luck. Uh, Who day, guys? We'll see you guys next week. Who day.